The Case of the Gilded Plum, a Detective Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller Erotic Mystery, by Brent Constantine. Chapter 4 Brontosaurus zipped and zoomed in his automobile as he screamed along with his favorite radio station, 100.7, The Frog, the only station in town that played today's top hits, yesterday's favorites, and tomorrow's number one chart toppers. Bront didn't care for today's top hits or tomorrow's number one chart toppers and would smash the volume knob to zero if they came on, but yesterday's favorites were still topping the adult contemporary charts in his adult mercenary heart. Classic R&B bangers like Smashed Mouth, Sugar Rays, and The Maroon 5, these were the songs and tunes that would never go out of style. No, with broad enough appeal to be featured in hit motion picture and credit sequences, county fair, dirt bike festivals, festivals, and commercials for a new, wetter kind of dog food, these were the anthems that had staying power in a way that today's modern music just couldn't hope to reach. Rockefeller yanked the cruiser's emergency brake and did an impressive half-donut through traffic up on to most of the sidewalk. Might as well put on a show to let everyone know he was coming. The element of surprise was overrated. Bront rated it a six, at most. Surprise was for cowards and problematically intrusive birthday parties. No, real men use the opposite of surprise. Expectation. That's why he had logged into the club's Facebook page and posted a photo of himself with the caption, See you all soon. So far it had six likes. And one angry face. The detective heaved his solid detective's body out of what remained of the car window, pushing the shattered mailbox onto the sidewalk out of his way. Give me a heart, make it real hot, let's forget about it, Bront sang, throwing his keys at the valet. Make sure to leave room on both sides of the doors. This car is a vintage model and it runs hot off the panels. I'm not interested in getting any more notes from people in the stall next to me about how I've melted their paint. Sir, I don't work at the club, I'm just out walking my dog. Bront flashed his gun with a smirk and watched the cowardly worker pilot the vehicle across the street to the surface level gravel parking lot. Don't take any of the change on my dashboard for the meter, Bront loudly instructed. I don't have any change on me though, the man yelled back. How am I supposed to pay? Then you just stay with the car until I'm done. How long is that gonna be? My dog needs to get home. Bront flashed the gun again with a smirk, pointed at the man's face, and pretended to pull the trigger again and again until the man retreated back into the car with a scream. I guess it's tough to get good help these days. Bront laughed to himself with an impish grin. Wait, what I should have said instead was, I guess he had a problem with my sparkling personality, because he was... Parking. As Brunt was writing down that joke into his notes for a future open mic stand-up performance, he was rudely pushed back from the door by a meaty paw. You on the list? A goonish thug grunted at Brunt. He was dressed like all bouncers, a two-tight black shirt, wraparound sunglasses, bald head shaved into exactly five stripes of hair that ran sideways from ear to ear, see-through backpack, and big white Mickey Mouse gloves. This man pushed me! Bront shouted. You all saw it. He assaulted me right here in front of everyone. The line of gutter punk burnouts and burn lows all looked up in surprise from the glowing rectangles in their hands. Cell phones. Everyone here is a witness. Upline this and let the world see that the management here is attacking patrons. Unprovoked. The security guard, obviously flustered, began to sputter and ramble on as he lifted himself off the stool in front of the door. Listen, buddy. 
Nobody here attacked you. You need to move along. Did you all hear that? Tell me you got that on camera. Brunt screamed as the guard gently touched his shoulder and then dramatically collapsed to the floor, writhing in pain. He's attacked me again! Tears dropping to the cement. Get up. You're fine. The guard turned to the angry crowd. Everyone seemed to be recording the incident, which would later make its way through YouTube under the title, Ugly Fat Man in Hat Cries on Street. He's fine, everybody. The line was yelling back now. Leave him alone, one man with a pierced neck and green eyebrows shouted. Yeah, he's obviously got some kind of mental issue. Stop picking on him, said a woman with purple dreadlocks and both butt cheeks pierced together. Okay, okay, the bouncer said, gently walking towards Rockefeller. I'll make sure he's okay. As the man reached out a caring hand towards the weeping detective, Brunt made his strike. Using the butt of his gun, Brunt covertly pistol-whipped the man's throat and neck until he was moaning in pain, sprawled on the ground. You fell for the oldest trick in the book, Brunt laughed as he positioned himself on the chest of his fallen foe, shaking the detective's combat handbook in his face. And you literally fell for it. You fell over onto the ground. The guard wheezed as he tried to catch his breath through a shattered larynx. Looks like he won't be attending any parties at the karaoke bar, Brunt thought to himself, wittily. Although I guess he could attend the party, but he'd have to just sit and watch and keep explaining to everyone why he wasn't going to be singing anything. Now I'm only going to ask you this one time, you bag of scum. Brunt held up the matchbook he had taken as a clue from the last trash hole that had tried to take him out. Where's the pretzel club? And how do I get in? The bouncer lifted a trembling finger and pointed next door. Now that wasn't so hard, was it? Brunt smiled as he stood up, lit the matchbook, and tossed it onto the chest of the now unconscious muscle man, scorching a hole through his thin spandex shirt. And then, his pants. You all saw it! Brunt yelled at the terrified crowd. It was self-defense. And if you say differently, I'll sue you all. I'm an expert in internet law. Brunt straightened his tie and walked into the building to his left. Pretzel Gentleman's Club, Brunt read on the door. Looks like he was telling the truth. He could have answered my questions from the beginning and saved himself a whole lot of facial skin grafts. You'll need to check that trench coat, sir. A young man said from within a small booth as Brunt pushed past the heavy bead curtains inside. Brunt sighed loudly to let the guy know that, even though he was complying, he wasn't happy about it. If any of my magnifying glasses are missing when I get back, there's going to be hell to pay. And you'll have to pay for those magnifying glasses too. Entering the club and ignoring the protests from behind him for payment, Brunt coolly looked around the lavishly decorated room. The place was covered in steam and giant rotating cogs, upon which men and women danced seductively in large top hats and overly complicated leather strap-covered clothing. As the only one in the joint not wearing goggles, Brontosaurus immediately stood out. Good. He wanted these creeps to get a good look at him from behind their goggles. Let them see what a real man looked like so they could update their internal reference to include a tucked-in short-sleeved green shirt and brown pleated pants cinched with a waistband drawstring. I'm looking for information, Brunt said, shooing a small woman off a stool and sitting down at the bar. The bartender, covered in steam, eyed Rockefeller from behind his steamy monocle. We don't serve information here at the bar, the man said, the brass knobs and other metal junk on his brown clothes jingling around uselessly. We only serve steam and steam-related beverages. I'm about to let off some steam right now if you don't answer my questions, Brunt said, farting loudly. And I believe I will have the steamed clam ale. 
Excellent choice, sir. The bartender unscrewed the top of the can, which fizzed angrily as it was poured into a clam-shaped mug. Now where can I find Pretzel Gentleman? Is he in the back with the empty bottles? The bartender didn't respond, looking down at his dish rag as he scrubbed the steaming countertop. A dish rag wasn't made to be used on the counter. That was what a counter rag was for. Brontosaurus knew something was seriously wrong here. Hello, Brontosaurus said, snapping his fingers in front of the bartender's face. I asked you a question. I need to talk to the owner of this club, Mr. Pretzel Gentleman. Do you know him? Did he interview you for this job? Nobody sees Mr. Gentleman, the server whispered. My interview was conducted online by the temp agency I'm employed through, Temps for Taps. They specialize in filling short-term position for bartenders and backup tap dancers. I didn't ask you to read me a Wikipedia article, Bront rolled his eyes. Listen, I can't say too much. The temp agency said we're not even supposed to talk to people, the steam-covered barkeep said, nervously heel-stepping. But I heard Mr. Gentleman monitors the gambling tables and takes an interest in big spenders. Thanks for the tip, and here's one for you. Rockefeller slapped his half-empty mug across the bar top. Next time, just answer me the first time I ask. Now clean that up. As he got to his feet, Brunt sensed he was being watched. He sensed it by using his eyes to look across the bar and see the eyes of someone else watching him. They were the eyes of a woman, and they were the kind of crossed eyes that he could watch watching him watch them across the bar all night. She was dressed as one of those sexy clowns he had read all about in Rolling Stone magazine. Juggling beer bottles on top of a large rubber ball inside of an erotic dancing cage where men and women alike threw change and crumpled $5 bills to show their support. Brown walked past and seated himself at the head of an empty poker table. And, after yelling for service, a poker boy arrived and dealt him in. Aces are wild, and so am I, Brunt declared to the dealer, who said nothing, shuffling cards. And twos and threes are also wild. Are you listening to me? Your bet, sir, the dealer said as Brontosaurus looked at his hand with a player's grin. The detective scanned the table, silently, eyeing up each of the other players that he had grabbed by the arm as they were walking by the table and forced them to play with him. He knew a poker-playing face when he saw one. It poked him immediately. I call. All in. It's a flush, Bront said, wrapping his cards around the edges of the table. That's too rich for my blood, said a man in a green tuxedo. I'm only going to bet $50 on this hand. Roll em and hold em, Brown said, spinning the dice across the poker board with a kiss for luck. Twenty-one, the dealer counted. We got a big winner here, ladies and gentlemen. The rest of the table sighed loudly as Brunt scooped up their thick chips with his even thicker hands. I guess that's just how the muffin crumbles sometimes, Brown said quietly to the man sitting next to him in a gold tuxedo, taking a big bite of his poker muffin. Peanuts? Flowers? Ice cream, the dancing clown woman from earlier approached the table, wheeling a large cart in front of her. How about you, sir? Can I interest you in something sweet? Lady, the only taste I want now is the sweet taste of poker victory. Do you have any ice cream that tastes like that? He asked cleverly before looking at the options available on the menu and realized they didn't. But he didn't retreat from his joke or even react as if it hadn't been perfectly crafted. Confidence when dealing with sexy and beautiful women, even those dressed as sexy and beautiful clowns, was everything. Maybe I have something else you might want to get a taste of. The woman smiled and winked one of her red painted eyes at him. 
It's disgusting of you to say, especially at the workplace. Bronze slammed his cards and dice down at the table. I could have you fired for pure harassment. He wasn't really offended, but acting as if you were going to charge someone with sexual harassment was an old detective's trick to quickly gain leverage. Maybe another time, then. As the erotic clown turned, Brant felt a narrow woman arm slip something into his breast pocket, where it rested on his male breast. He looked up, but she was gone, then looked back down in his breast, along with their new cargo, a piece of paper, were still there. He would remember that for later. Siri, take a note, Brant said. Remember to look in pocket, next to breasts. Is this a private table? Or can anyone join in? A man dressed in a silk dinner cape and leather kimono sat down across from Brant. The stranger's long, white fingernails twiddled delicately across the ivory top of his wandering cane. Yes, it's a private table, Brant said. Right, everyone else? Everyone else? Speak up now, you cowards. Fine, I'll stop going easy on all of you then. Deal me in, the man said. Dealer's choice. The name's Rom Rubble, and I work at this establishment. I couldn't help but notice that you were winning big. Almost $150. We gonna keep yapping all day, or we gonna play some poker? Rockefeller looked up around the table again, shaking the man seated next to him wearing the purple tuxedo. Come on, you weaklings! Stand up for yourself! Very well, Mr. Rockefeller, Rumble said, stroking his thick sideburns. We'll let our cards do the talking for us. Rumble was holding the king card in front of his face and moving it around as if it had been speaking that last line. It was a great bit, and Brown would steal it for when he finally got up the nerve to perform at that stand-up open mic. I see you're aware of who I am, Rumble, Brontosaurus said, blowing heavily onto his cards. And you know what I'm capable of at the table. Poker, dinner, or otherwise. So you might just find things getting quite uncomfort. Uncomfort table, that is. I see word of your wit has outdone itself, Rom Rumble said, clapping loudly. But let's see if you're as sharp on the bets as you are on the threats. Nice line, Rumble, Bront said, clapping now in return. Wish I could say the same about your hairline, you bald bitch. Bront tossed his gambling chips onto the green felt table. I bet a black chip and five blue chips. That's too rich for my blood the man in the green tuxedo said again. My blood doctor said I need to keep my bets below $50. I raise, Rumble said. I can see a bluff from a mile away. A bluff is also defined as a steep bank or cliff, especially one formed by a river erosion on the outside bend of a meander, Brunt chuckled. I would hope that anyone at this table would be able to see one from such a short distance as a mile, right everyone? Huh? Stand up for yourselves. I raise again, Rumble said. What's wrong, detective? Getting cold feet? Only because I wore Crocs. I raise you all or nothing and all in. No limits. All in on black and red. The dealer flushed the cards and flipped everyone else's hands where they were hiding which cards they had. I only have one card, said the man in the gold tuxedo who left the table. I have two cards. The man in the purple tuxedo got up and walked away. I have 12 cards, said the man in the green tuxedo, smiling. I need to go to the bathroom now. Let me know if I won this round when I get back. It was just down to Rumble and Brontosaurus, just as they both knew it would be. Okay, everyone left needs to flip their cards too, the dealer said, wiping sweat away from his face onto his arms, which he then wiped onto his pants. From there, the sweat was free to discreetly drip onto the floor beneath the table. 
Read em and weep, detective, rumbled Guffaud. I've got four pairs. Brunt gently slapped the man's hands as he began to claw back his chips. Not so fast, Rumble. Brunt tossed his cards into a pile in the center of the velvet table, on top of all the other cards. I can't believe it, said the dealer. Eight of a kind, Brunt said, stuffing the cash into his pants pockets, along with the cards, which would serve as a memento of this occasion. Now if you're done wasting my time, maybe you can bring me to see your boss, Mr. Pretzel Gentleman. Oh, I'll do more than that, Rumble said. I'll also point this gun at you while I take you to see him. Rumble snapped a finger, and the detective felt powerful hands lift him off the sweaty floor, upon which he had just been standing. Boys, why don't we bring Detective Rockefeller upstairs, where we keep the sexy lingerie? Sexy lingerie? (laughs) This might just be my sexiest adventure yet, Bronze said as he was dragged screaming through the steam. End of chapter 4